If you'd like to read with me, we'll be reading from Revelations chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 before the lesson. Revelation 2, verses 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from which you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. The year is 2040. James is returning to Savannah for the first time in 25 years. He had left in his college years and gone to a far place to live where he could get a better job than he could here. His parents were deceased, so he'd had no reason to be back. But a friend Bob had persuaded him to come back and visit again. And so Bob met him at the airport. They, they rode back to Savannah. The car drove itself. They had a, a, a good visit on the, on the way back from the airport. Uh, they came into Savannah, and uh, uh, James was interested in seeing how things had changed. He remembered a lot of things about the town, and they drove out uh, through the midst of town, out of Wayne Road, and uh, they they looked off to the right, and they, they saw a huge building there, and and James said, what, what is this? And uh, Bob said, well, that's, that's the new Amazon center where you go by and you order your online package this morning and it's here this afternoon or at the latest in the morning. Drove on a little farther and uh, a nice tall building here and well that's the new hospital and it's really, really nice. They've expanded it and have a lot of good doctors here now. Drove on out the road a little piece and uh, came by the Walmart uh, store. Not many cars around there and of course uh, James already knew the reason for that. Uh, Amazon had already taken over that business long ago. Came back and they uh, drove out uh, Pickwick Street and uh, uh, looked and saw a lot of new buildings on, on the side. And James was very anxious to, to get by the church building because he had been a member of the church here when he was a young boy and gone through our youth program. It had been 25 years since he had been here though. And so as he got close, he, he saw the parking lot was full of, uh, full of cars and a smile came across his face. And uh, then as he, he got closer, he, he noticed all of those cars were new cars. And they were all the same kind of cars. And, and he looked at the building and, and he saw that there were garage doors on the side of the, of the building. And, and uh, he, he asked Bob, where did they go? Where did the church go? Uh, the sign out front said, uh, Savannah Electric Car Company. And Bob said, well, they didn't go anywhere. What do you mean they didn't go anywhere? Well, they just closed the doors about five years ago. Why? Well, the numbers 
the numbers got down to the point that they just couldn't, uh, couldn't keep things going any longer. And tears came in James' eyes as he thought about that. Was that real? Could that have been real? Absolutely, it could have been real. Absolutely, it could have been real. In 2005, the number of people in attendance in this room that you and I are gathered in this morning averaged 560 for the year. Last year, last year we averaged 343. That's 18 people a year that are no longer here. At 18 people per year leaving, the church will close its doors by the year 2035. Could it be real? Well, it is real. It is real. Over 200 people that were here in 2005 are no longer here. The raid is continuing. Brethren, the doors could close on our church if something doesn't change. It's real. It's real. Many times we want to bury our head in the sand and we want to over... We just, we just don't want to confront things like that. We just don't want to think about things like that. But something has to change. Or James' vision in 2040, his, what he saw will be true. What's wrong? What's the problem today? Why aren't we... Why are we in a decline? Why are we failing to grow? Why, and, and it's not a matter of why we're failing. Why are we declining so rapidly? We need to think about that. Mike read a passage for us in the book of Revelation. The church at Ephesus, a very well-known church in biblical times. Jesus was writing to them as he did to six other churches there in the early part of the book of Revelation and he said, I have somewhat against thee. You have a problem here at Ephesus. I have this against you. You've left your first love. He said, remember, therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent. Oh, the church at Ephesus was still moving along when Jesus spoke to them here. The doors weren't closed, but Jesus said, you've got a problem, and it's time you come to, 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 to grips with that problem. It's time you face the reality of it, or else the doors are going to be closed on the church at Ephesus. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, chapter and verse 13, after he had talked about love for 12 verses, he, he concluded the chapter and he said, Now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. We read that verse quite often, 
Uh, you've heard it quoted many times in lessons. But maybe we don't stop and really focus on that enough to know what he's talking about. Maybe we don't stop long enough and study hard enough to, to, to recognize the importance of him saying, there is faith, there is hope, and there's love. But then I think those three things, those three things or the lack of those three things might be something we need to look at to understand why we are not growing, why we are declining. Let's look at them just for a moment. Let's look at what, what is said in the, in the Scriptures uh, about those three things. The Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews 1 that faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We use that as a definition of faith many times. Uh, other versions of it read, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, we look at that and, and, and yet we don't grasp a whole lot about faith when we look at that passage. Though we've quoted it, we've used it in sermons, we've used it uh, uh, in, in, in so many different things in, in, in lessons that we have presented. What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about a confident trust in God and His Word. He said faith is, is when you trust God and when you believe His Word. What do you mean when you trust God? Well, when you trust God to do what He says in His Word. He told the church at Ephesus, he said, unless you get this problem straightened out, I'm going to remove your candlestick. Now, was he joking or was he just, what, what was he doing? He was making a statement that he intended to back up and to carry out. That's what it means to have confidence in God and His Word. You believe what God said. You believe what God said. You believe that He's going to do that. I suggest to you this morning that faith is not a feeling, brethren, as sometimes we talk about it and think about it, but faith is action. Faith is being involved. Faith is believing. Faith is acting upon our belief and doing the things that God has instructed us to do. Hebrews writer, the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 11 6 said, but without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh unto God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. There's some things in that passage that we read sometimes and we just overlook. But he talked about there the fact that faith is uh, something that we've got to have in order to be pleasing to God. And he talks about in that passage there, for he that cometh to God must believe. He that cometh unto God must believe. Do we believe God's Word today? Do we believe the things that are taught in the Bible? Do we believe that we need to stand up and contend for the faith today as, as Jude it was spoken of as in the book of Jude? Do we believe that? And then he goes on and he closes that out and he said, we need to diligently seek God. We need to diligently seek God. So faith involves believing God's Word and diligently seeking to do God's will today. Brethren, I suggest to us that sometimes we are neither, uh, we do not believe nor do we diligently seek God's Word. In the Roman letter in Romans, the 10th chapter and verse 17, 
Paul said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God's Word is the fuel that powers our faith today. How much do you know about the Word of God today? How much do you know about God's Word? There's a story in Genesis, the 18th chapter. And there Abraham and God are discussing the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. God had made up his mind that he was going to destroy the city. Abraham had kinfolks there. He was concerned about it. And he, he contended with God and he said, you know, you're the righteous God, you're the, you're the, the righteous judge and, and you're going to destroy the righteous along with the wicked there when you destroy the city. I'm paraphrasing all of this. I'm making it into a story. God said, I tell you what, find me 50 righteous people and I'll spare the city. Well, Abraham was a little nervous. He didn't know if he could do that. Well, God said, okay, find me 45 and I'll spare the city. Well, you know the story. Find me 40 and I'll spare it. Find me 30 and I'll spare it. Find me 20 and I'll spare it. Find me 10 and I'll spare it. And 10 couldn't be found. Now, why don't you think about this with me just a minute. Use your imagination. Close your Bibles. Take a pen and a piece of paper and write me 50 verses of Scripture that you can quote. Uh, okay. Write me 45 that you can quote. You've got your Bible closed now. You know them by heart. You can write them down. Okay. Find me 40 that you can quote. You can write them down on paper. How far do I have to go, brethren? How far do I have to go before you say, okay, I can do that? I can do that. Brethren, not many of us could write half of them. Not many of us could write 20. Could you write 10? What are you saying, Brother Rogers? I'm saying, brethren, that we don't know the Word of God. We don't know the Word of God. We don't know the Bible today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But we're not people of the Word today. That's one of the reasons the numbers are going down. Because we're not hearing and keeping the Word of God. And so anything goes. Anything goes. It's not important as to whether 
I'm here at this location. It's not important as to whether I'm down the street. It's not important as to whether I'm here. Anything goes. Why? Because we don't know the Word of God. We need to be students of the Word. The Savannah Church of Christ needs to be students of the Word of God today. We need to be studying our Bibles. We need to be meditating upon the Word of God. And then in the pulpit, we need to be preaching the Word of God. In our classrooms, we need to be teaching the Word of God. There's no instrument up here at the front of the building today. A lot of you don't know why. You've never heard it from the pulpit. You've never heard it proclaimed from this pulpit. Today, when we conclude this service, we're going to offer an invitation. And if it's typical, we're going to say, if there's anything we can help you with, come forward. We're not urging people to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not urging people to be baptized for the remission of their sins. Do we believe it? Do we believe that's what we ought to do? Do we believe that that's necessary? We ought to preach it. We ought to preach it. We need to get back to the Word of God. We need to get back to preaching God's Word. You know, I'm thankful that 150 or 200 years ago there were some brethren that recognized that religion was not what was found in the Bible. That people weren't adhering to the Word of God. And thus we had the restoration movement. A lot of great preachers, a lot of faithful preachers had to step aside from the things that they had been doing. And they had to open the Word of God and they had to study God's Word and they had to get back to doing exactly what God's Word said. And I'm thankful they did that. I'm thankful that they had the courage and the, and the will to stand up and to preach God's Word. Brethren, if we don't preach God's Word, we're going to be the church at Ephesus. Our candlestick is going to be removed. We're going to die. We're going to wither on the vine. But then, Paul said in that 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians there, he said, there's also hope. What hope do you have today? What are we talking about when we talk about hope? Well, literally, the the word is, uh, is, can be defined as a confident expectation. Uh, why are you here this morning? Why did you come? Uh, you got up this morning and you came to church. Well, I wish we didn't come to church. I wish we came to worship. I wish we had that kind of attitude about it. I wish we were here to worship rather than coming to church. That, you know, I go to the ball game, I go to the grocery store, and I go to church. Uh, they're not the same thing. It's not just another act on our part. It's not just another event that's in our lives today. 
We're here to worship the God of heaven. To humble ourselves in the presence of God. We're not here to complain about the preacher wearing his red tie. We're not here to, to look across and say, oh, that's, I wish they wouldn't hear. Oh, do we not ever? Well, we like that sometime. We got all kinds of we got all kinds of hang-ups that we bring here with us. But we're here today to worship God. Why? Because we have hope in Him. We have hope in Him. We have hope that one day we'll be able to, to be with Him in heaven. It's been a long time since I've built a new house. Some of you have built new houses lately. Can you remember how anxious you were as you built that house and how much you were looking forward to getting into it and how much you talked about it to people? You were, you were proud. You were looking forward to it. The Scripture said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. How anxious are you to occupy your room? How anxious are you? How much are you looking forward to occupying the room, the mansion that God is preparing for us today. There's a story told in the 27th chapter of the book of Acts. I hope you've read it many times. In verse 20, Paul said this, or he wrote this, and when neither sun nor stars, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay about us, all hope that we should be saved was taken away. You know, it's it's terrible to be without hope, isn't it? I remember Brother W. A. Bradfield used to preach at various places around here and one of the sermons that he had uh, was talking about no hope and he had a deep voice uh, uh, he could um, almost make the chandelier shake with his voice and he, and he talked about having no hope it's terrible to not have hope but hope hope it's not just something that we're reaching out and grasping for. Hope is something that we're working toward every day that we live. In that story, an angel appeared to Paul on that ship. They were out. They were on a ship, and and they were going to Rome. And uh, this terrible tempest arose, and 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 the ship it looked like it was going to be lost. And there was a angel appeared to Paul and. He said, Paul, don't worry. Don't worry. He said, you've got to appear before Caesar. And he said, I'm going to give you all of the people that are on board with you here. Not one person's going to be lost. Now he just got through saying, we, didn't, we were at the point we had no hope. We were at the point that we had no hope. Incidentally, Paul's talking to all the people on the ship now. 
But he came down and he, he concluded his little story there in verse 25. He said, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as He has told me. Do you believe God today? I believe that it will be just as God has told us today. And God has told us that we have hope. And He's told us that there is a place prepared for us. He said our hope is the very anchor for the soul today. In Colossians, the third chapter in verse 2, Paul wrote these words. He said, set your affection on things that are above and not on things upon the earth. Where is our affection today? If we went to eat after the services today, sat down at uh, the restaurant and uh, we're gathered around a table, what would our conversation be? What would our conversation be? If we met each other uh, and had a chance just to talk for a little while, what would we talk about? We don't often talk about the Lord, do we? We don't often talk about things that are above. We talk about the upcoming ball game tomorrow night. We talk about the Super Bowl. It's going to be pretty soon. Talk about the weather. It sure has been cold. Brethren, if we have the hope that we're supposed to have, we'll set our affection on things that are above. We'll set our affection on things that are above. The Savannah Church of Christ will be important to us. We'll be concerned that we're losing members every year. We'll be asking, what can I do? What can I do? We won't be asking, what are you elders going to do? We won't be asking, when are you going to get a different preacher? We're going to be asking, what can I do? Are you asking that? Are you asking that or are you putting the blame on somebody else? You know, if you've got the hope that God wants you to have today, you're going to be doing everything that you can to make sure that 2018 is not a year of decline, but 2018 is a year of growth. You're going to be doing it. Not me. You are. It's time for us to start living Christianity in our lives day by day. It's time for us to take up our cross and follow Jesus and do what we can do. Not point the finger somewhere else. Have the hope that is so important and the hope that is so real of taking our place in heaven one day that we're going to be doing everything we can to see that we get there and that everybody else that we know gets there. We're going to be working. And then finally, he said, 
The greatest of these is love. Oh, you know the story there in 1 Corinthians 13. Starting in verse 4, he said, Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love suffereth not itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave itself unseemingly. He goes on and gives all of these characteristics of love. What is love? It's concern for the welfare of others. Concern for the welfare of others. Are you concerned about the welfare of the Savannah Church of Christ? Are you? John 13, 35 said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Our dear friend Martha Booker is in the hospital in Corinth in critical condition. Has been now for going on two weeks. Have you prayed for her? Have you bowed on your knee in your home and prayed for Martha? Have you called and inquired about her? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Do we love each other at the Savannah Church of Christ? Do we love each other? What have you done in the past week? What have you done in the past week as an expression of love for the fellow members of this congregation? What have you done? How many of them have you prayed for? How many acts of kindness have you shown? How many times have you taken food to somebody that needed it? How many times have you thought about the people that are sick? Our, our list is, fills up one side of our announcement sheet, doesn't it? How many of them have you thought about this week? Do you love them? Do you love them? We've got to be loving people, brethren. We've got to be loving people. In John 3 and verse 16, 1 John 3 and verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Do you love me enough to lay your life down for me? Well, I doubt that you're going to have to do that. But that's the kind of love you ought to have for me. But that's the kind of love I ought to have for you. And that's the kind of love you ought to have by the per- for the person sitting beside you or behind you or in front of you. What are we doing as a group of God's people to show our love for each other? Oh, sometimes we get on the phone and, and uh, we, we talk about each other. Not always positively. Sometimes very negatively. Brethren, we need to love each other. When people pass by this building, wonder how many of them say, well, that's the people that love each other there. That's the people that are known for their love for each other. Do they say that? They should. They should. 
Brethren, unless we get our faith where it needs to be, unless we get into the Word of God and know the Word of God and teach and preach the Word of God, unless we have a hope for heaven that drives us to be a child of God, busy and active every day that we live, and proclaiming God's message and proclaiming God's Word and bringing other people to Jesus Christ, unless we love each other to the point that we're ready to lay down our lives for one another, we're going to continue to decline. I won't be alive in 2030 or 35. But I'd hate to drive up this street and see the car lot here. Rather, I'd rather drive up the street and see that we've even had to expand this place. But it's up to us. It's up to us. We have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. I pray. I pray that you'll read 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And that you'll not only read it, but you'll think about it every day this week. And as you'll think about your relationship to God, and now by the faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I don't preach very often. I can get by with saying what's on my heart. And this is on my heart today. I don't want to see the doors closed. Oh, I know it'll be after I die. And I'm still concerned. We need to wake up. We need to wake up to the problem that is at hand. And we need to deal with it. Personally. Personally. It's not the elder's problem. It's not the preacher's problem. It's our problem. It's our problem. We need to deal with it. You need to get into the Bible and study it. You need to read it at home. You need to meditate upon it. You need to accept it as God's Word. Believe every word of it and then practice it. You need to set your affection on things that are above. Forget about some of the things that are going on round about us here and focus our attention on doing the will of God. And we need to love each other to the point if it's necessary, I'll die for you. We'll see a difference when every person, when you start doing that in your life. Thank you for your attention to the lesson. Today, you and I are sitting in the presence of God. A God that loves us more than anything that we could ever fathom. A God loved us enough that He sent His Son to die on the cross of Calvary for us. A God that loved us enough that He made a plan whereby we can be saved from our sins. He told us to hear His Word. We need to do more of that. We need to hear the Word of God. We don't need to sit back to hear those things that tickle our ears. 
We don't need to sit back and hear those things that the Scripture proclaims will happen one day where uh, teachers uh, will teach the things that people want to hear. We need to hear God's Word. And when we hear God's Word, we need to believe it. We need to believe that when He commands something, that that's what He wants, that's what He means. If you're not a child of God today, He's told you to hear His Word, to believe that Word to repent of the sins that separate you from God today. You're a sinner. And your only hope is in Jesus Christ. Your only hope is to do what God has commanded you to do in order to be a child of His. He said, turn away from those sins. Confess Jesus as the Son of God. Confess Jesus as your only hope. And be buried in baptism for the remission of your sins. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. And if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to do it by God's plan. It's that simple and it's that plain. And we need not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to proclaim it like it is. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, would you not in obedience unto His teachings... Would you not come confessing your faults and repenting of them and being baptized for the remission of your sins? If you're an erring child of God, come back to your faith today. Ask the brethren for their prayers in your behalf. Would you not do it now as we stand and sing?